and there I say I thought the Broncos did a pretty nice little pretty nice little draft class by Peyton and Peyton. First time operating together. Lots to unpack in this one. How's everyone doing? Justin, how's this offseason treating you? Doing good, man. It's it's always kind of a weird time just mm. post draft and getting into 2024 and looking ahead at recruiting and it's just weird when you're in the college football and pro football world, because I feel like I'm simultaneously watching sophomores in high school and 32 year old men. And like, it's all just kind of blending together, but all the, all the football I can handle. So I'm not complaining. He loves ball. It's, it's ball knowers season, Jake. If you don't love this stuff, you're getting exposed. That's for sure. Absolutely. This is where we shine, bro. This is our time. It's so true. Um, you're so right, Justin. Like going from the draft to then a couple appearances on the Buffs pod to talk like transfers and uh, I was you watching know, like, 2026 prospects yes, this exactly. morning, and then I was getting into AFC West grades, and I was just like, "This is a very weird way of living life." But it's it's fun. You get to experience all the different football, and they all kind of have their own unique charm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we got to talk a little reactions to round one on TDSP last week. Um, Jake and I were on the live shows. We haven't gotten your reactions. And we've kind of had a week to sit through this, digest it, think through not just the draft class, but the offseason as a whole for the Broncos, for the AFC West. We are big believers on this podcast that if we are going to cover a draft class year round once that draft actually happens we're not just going to retire cover it in one episode and then boom we're gone and on to the next one we're actually gonna digest it get into it i'm really excited for how we want to cover these draft classes this year and without further ado we really need to get into this broncos class top to bottom, maybe unwrap the actual Broncos offseason and stack it up against the rest of the division. Cannot wait. Justin, why don't you start us off kind of your first read on this draft class, what you thought um, about how the Broncos moved. We haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. Yeah, I... I really like the the guys that they drafted this year. I'm high on a lot of the people they were able to get. Um, wasn't crazy about trading up for a wide receiver, and we can talk about that. I like Mims a lot. It has nothing to do with him. I just wasn't really crazy about that. Um, as far as the offseason as a whole goes, I, I think Denver just did a great job of upgrading in the areas they needed to. You know, They wanted to get more athletic at linebacker. They needed to find another younger safety. They needed to improve the offensive line, which they mostly did via free agency. I, that was an area I thought they might attack more in the draft. Same probably with running back and quarterback didn't address either of those positions either. But as far as, you know, addressing the the positions of value corner, you know, they were able to get an, a center, I think, which was, was big an athletic linebacker, a speedy receiver. Like these are all things that we love as draft nerds. And I think when you, factor in both free agency and the draft. It's been a it's been a really successful offseason for the Broncos and they're a much better team right now than they were going into, you know, the the winter. 
Yeah, huge remake, especially offensively, and it feels like defensively you haven't lost um, a ton, though certainly Draymond of all is going to be a big one. And Ronald Darby in that CB2 position. But yeah, you're right. They really seem to address O-line and the in-free agency kind of take care of your bigger needs on that and leave the draft to kind of play the board, maneuver the board. You know, you trade up for Mims, you trade up for Riley Moss. So they definitely didn't just let the board fall to them, similar to Kansas City, who we'll get into in a little bit. They were aggressive in going after and targeting their guys and in the end come out with a nice class with some really nice value um, at a lot of positions. Are you concerned a little maybe not going after premier spots, premier in this draft, Jake? Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit, I guess. They did trade up for Mims, which, I mean, wide receiver is a premium position now. Yep. Yep. But um, given the compensation that they have, the draft picks that they had, I mean, I can't complain. Because you got players at positions that you need players. I mean, you needed a linebacker, you needed a center, um, and you needed a safety. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Kareem Jackson. It doesn't sound like he's going to be coming back. Uh So J.L. Skinner kind of, at the best case scenario, kind of slots in in that role. Uh, Worst case scenario, he's a plus special teams player who's going to be able to help you really on any kind of special teams play. Um, but yeah, taking a linebacker with one of your top picks, um, I mean, when you did bring back Singleton and Juice, Josie Jewell, it's just still kind of improving the room though. So I can't get too upset, even though they did kind of skip out on, you know, tackles, edge rushers, that kind of stuff, defensive line. But well, it does third, help that Sanders can rush guys. a little, right? Like yes. his versatility. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that we're going to see as, He's going to be playing inside linebacker, but he's going to be blitzing. He's going to be an absolute weapon for them on defense. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I'd almost say he's like the Jameer Gibbs of linebackers. Like that dual versatility that he brings is huge. I've been watching a decent amount of Alabama 2021 tape to try and see how he was used at Bama as an edge. Um, You know, like he starts against Ole Miss. Opposite Will Anderson, Christopher Allen must have been um, out that game. So he's starting and he's dropping in coverage a bunch. He's kind of playing more spy on Matt Corral, and they're rushing the passer. I think the tackles for a loss, the sack numbers, they make you think he's maybe more advanced as a pass rusher than he actually is. A lot of those are coming more just in motor and pursuit. But, I mean, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism. You just need to develop that. I do think his best spot, as I've watched him more and more, is off-ball linebacker, where sideline-to-sideline ability, his coverage instincts, again, he's dropped in coverage a ton, even playing edge under Saban. So that's like kind of a more refined area of his game. And in a lot of ways, I'd say he's the most refined cover linebacker the Broncos have, this side of Justin Sternod. So I'm really intrigued by him. 
I'm really intrigued by J.L. Skinner, who I think in some ways can take that what we thought was Justin Sternod role of kind of being that nickel linebacker almost and playing right there in that little alley there, um, covering up the seam. My notes from the senior bowl are really good on him. Um, and Marvin Mims, I mean, like look at the presser, read Zach's article about how the all that Sean Payton had to say about Mims, how it was important to target him, how he mentions his speed over and over and bringing that explosive element, which I think we can all agree the Broncos offense in general lacked. Um, and so now you're adding some big playability. You're adding some really great um, contested catch ability, right? So that's intriguing. And then I think this Riley Moss pick is very interesting. If it's, if there's a trade I have issue with, it's probably the Riley Moss trade, trading away the only day two pick you had um, next year. Kind of the opposite of the, the profile of cornerback I was thinking you'd go after to have opposite PS2. I was thinking more feisty, win some, lose some. Almost that Trevon Diggs, you know, where it's like, hey, you might get burned a couple of times, but then you'll make like a a game-saving interception, that kind of guy. Riley Moss has more of a steady Eddie size, athleticism, zone coverage. You might have to refine him a little bit in man, but you know, on paper, he should have the elements to do that. When he takes his risk, he takes his risks. Um, but you know that I, he leaves me wanting more with the flashes sometimes. But Mim Sanders, Skinner, that's three top hundred guys. Uh, Riley Moss was a top 120 guy. So it's three guys who I project as future starters at the NFL level. And Alex of Forsyth is a name we've had in the mix for many years um, to be, you know, to get a guy who can compete at center for you. Um, like with the third to last pick in the entire draft, I think is really nice. And then I'm, I'm delighted they picked up Thomas Incombe, the Central Michigan edge defender. Amazing story, 24-year-old from Ghana. Very raw, but had 11 and a half sacks last year in the MAC. And I think with some developed, formidable um, a piece of that edge rotation, as, as we've seen with the Niners, with the Eagles, having a deep edge rotation is key in the modern NFL. It's all about getting after the quarterback, right? I mean, especially uh-huh. in this division, we we just talked about the Niners and Eagles, but I mean, if you you're looking at oh. what all these teams are trying to do, whether it's Bosa and the Chargers or even the Chiefs these last couple of years, like as much as we love to focus on Mahomes and everything they were doing, that front seven and Frank Clark and some of those guys being able yeah. to be disruptive was a big part of what made them a lot more consistent and you know kind of allowed them to get over that hump after just kind of flirting the first couple of years with Mahomes, where it was like, man, he's great, but you could beat the Chiefs. If if you don't have that front seven, I just, I don't even see how you can compete in this division. It's a great point. And I mean, Jake, in the division, we're seeing teams like Chargers, Raiders, trying to build like elite duos, which we've seen the Broncos do, and sometimes more successfully than not. And Broncos Chiefs may be a little more by committee, a little more like a poor man's version of that Eagles Niners that you're trying to replicate. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's really missing from the Broncos right now. I mean, you still have Randy Gregory yeah. as like your premier pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, but assuming he's on the don't field. Really, exactly. So yeah. 
if he's out, I mean, we're really counting on Bear Browning or Drew Sanders really to come off the edge or Jonathan Cooper or someone at this point. So, yeah, the depth at the edge really, I think, um, is probably going to be the biggest target, I guess, as you kind of move through this season into 24. Um, but that's just how the draft usually falls, man. I think you're actually kind of fortunate to get someone like Drew Sanders at 67 overall who has wow. some pass rushing versatility um, in the third round because usually, those as we talked about, it's premium positions. Those guys go quick. The big guys who can rush the passer are always going to be ones that go very early in the draft. So it's definitely a weakness as of right now. And they still have Chris Allen in that rotation, a former undrafted free agent from last year, and Nick Bonito. So, you know, you've got some guys who are young and uh, unproven who need to step up and make it happen. Um, boys, grades, what you'd identify as the um, overarching philosophy this offseason for the Broncos. If you had to pick a theme, what would you go with this year? Ooh, I like that. Um, I'd, I'd just say steady. I don't think they necessarily got like the splash offseason move that is going to, you know, sell a million jerseys and have everybody talking all offseason. I think they just got consistently better in a lot of important areas. Cornerback two, as you mentioned, is probably the... The, the big one where I'm like, eh, I don't know, and, and running back as well. But the offensive line, when you look at the, the the way they've been able to build around some of these young defensive pieces at wide receiver, I don't know. I just I feel like they're a, a lot more sound, even quarterback, yeah. too. Like, it, it's a little bit dumb to bring up the backup quarterback. But like, uh, how much better do you feel about Stidham going into a two, three game stretch than you would Brett Rippon? Oh, no doubt. Right. No doubt. Um, running back's the surprise. Running back is absolutely the surprise, but that's kind of what it felt like. It felt like an off season where, look, we're not going to be able to address every need. We just need to like add an injection of talent to this roster. The theme for me would be kind of like inside out rebuilding the old line, trying to get back up. I think I would go, yeah, with balance of athleticism and production as the theme for this draft class. Um, you know, guys like Alex Forsyth um, and JL Skinner, I don't know if their RES scores are actually like real because I don't think they did all the drills. I know for sure Forsyth doesn't has a com- have a completed score. Yeah. Um, JL. The top three. Yeah, so the top three, especially, tested out the roof when it comes to RAS, and they all had production, too. Um, Even, I mean, Drew Sanders, it was like a one-year thing for him at Arkansas. Sure. um, But put up over 100 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for a loss, almost 10 sacks, with an interception, five passes defense. I mean, the guy absolutely produced at a high level. Um, Mims, too, with Gabriel at quarterback, with Oklahoma losing – um, you know, just Lincoln Riley and just a lot of their offense. I like Marvin Mims a lot in that spot, and he gives you that athleticism for sure and had a nice year, um, a thousand yards for them last season. So I think that's where I would go with the theme. Yeah, the running back thing kind of sucks. It does make me kind of – the Riley Moss trade, um, I guess I'm kind of with you, Dre, because that's about the yeah. price that um, 
the Eagles gave up for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, um, it's also what the Eagles gave up for um, moving up to get Keely Ringo at the top of the fourth. Mm-hmm. Which I think we'd all agree would have been our preference at cornerback. Um, yeah, so the trade philosophies you don't feel great. We've kind of touched on their attacking of premium positions. This was a question you suggested, Jake. What's the team's Jenga piece? So explain that mm-hmm. for a sec. So this is just, a, I'm going to give credit, straight ripoff, remove the sticks. They do this segment uh, usually every summer, and it's always one of my favorite podcasts. What it means is outside of the quarterback, what is the player on the roster that you cannot lose? Otherwise, it's like Jenga. You lose that piece, and it all kind of falls apart. Um, looking at it now, I think it's a balance between – Three guys, PS2, Randy Gregory, and uh, depending on what receiver is your favorite, Jerry Judy for me. Um, but I think if I had to pick one, it's really seeming like we're hedging on, on uh, Randy Gregory here to be healthy and have a good season to kind of lead this pass rush. That's who I would go with. That top three seems pretty fair. Justin, would you have a pick there? Yeah, I think you can make an argument for, for any of that top three. I'd go Judy. Just the offense needs to be much more consistent this season. And obviously with the the flash, we saw Judy at the end, finally kind of breaking out. You're hoping he can build off of that and really get Rusko. And I think, you know, if, if Judy has a massive year, that's probably a pretty good indication that they've at least somewhat figured out, you know, the, the offensive situation with Russ, which to me would be a pretty good sign that this team is competitive. So I'm going to go with Judy because if he's rolling, I think the offense is much better and the team is just naturally more competitive. Um, I will go Mike McGlinchey just to be different, but I do feel like if he were to go down and you're right back to where we've been the last several years mm-hmm. at right tackle, that would be disastrous and really set set this whole offense back. In a- yeah. All right, let's do it, boys. Final grades. How do you think the Sean... Up doing Jake, why don't you start us off? Uh, I'll go with a B plus. Uh, yeah, I like the players given the compensation that you had coming into this draft. I really think they did a great job. Um, you added at least three potential starters in your top three from Mim, Sanders, and Moss. Um, at the worst, those guys are rotating in and hopefully able to you know make some impact plays every now and then, but. Um, this is about as good as they could have done given the compensation uh-huh. they had. I think they could have picked some better players in other spots and done some wiser mm-hmm. things with their capital, but I feel like that's kind of nitpicking at that point. So B plus. Justin. I'm gonna go just a straight B. I came in with a C plus slash B minus range just because of the trades. I, I think that is a, a major knock and Otherwise, I would have gone a little bit higher because I do like these players a lot too. But getting Skinner late and getting Forsyth in the seventh, that that's a little bit of a bonus for me. So that you know, he kind of brings it up. Solid B could have done a little bit better. Tough to complain given the lack of draft capital going in. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a top thirty guy. It's a top fifty-five guy, Marvin Mims. It's another top hundred guy for my rankings. 
to do that with where you're drafting, plus add Riley Moss and Forsyth, two players I don't hate, and I think are certainly rosterable and guys who can come where you're drafting. That's a B plus. Um, when you get into it a little deeper, as far as um, the trades and stuff, I, I do agree, but. Analyzing the trades, I think, can get a little tricky because every single one is very much in a vacuum. So I try to more analyze the picks based on where you're picking. And we assume we we understand that where you're picking is very much based on other bigger decisions that you have made. I think it's a B plus. I think in general, the offseason is about a B. Um, no matter how you feel, I think it's undeniable that this roster is better now than it was a year ago. And given some of the constraints you had after the previous offseason, uh, that that was far from a given. So I think you gotta you gotta be pleased with this offseason and feel like some solid some solid building blocks are being set for the Sean Payton year. There's no doubt that this process can be stressful. What process you don't want to be stressful? Buying tickets to games, guys, and it's never been easier to get tickets yes. to your favorite sporting events. And with the homies over at Game Time, you want to go download that Game Time app right now. You can find it in the podcast uh, description if you've never been there. Game Time is the best. They have the best last-minute deals for everything. Rockies, concerts, uh, Avalanche, Nuggets, you name it. Broncos, finally, this fall. Snag the tickets without stress with Game Time. Download the app, create an account, use the code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem the code DNBR for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And when you're on your way to those Rockies games or those concerts in the summer, make sure you bring along your Shady Rays. Shady Rays, the independent sunglasses company that offers a world class product, durable frames, and extremely clear polarized lenses. Best part about Shady Rays. Every single pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacement programs. Um, even if you don't like your Shady Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's absolutely no risk when you shop with them. Their team has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal this season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code DMVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. You can try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. You know, who could have used some shady rays on draft night? Who's Michael that? Mayer. When he was on camera, mm. they showed him a couple times when other tight ends went before him. Yeah, he, uh, he could have used those shady rays. You know, nobody would have been able to see that he was he was hurting inside. But hey, <laughs> didn't use the code, man. Can't can't help everybody, I guess. It's a great point. Um, you you talking you talking tight ends made me think, um, we didn't mention the Adam Troutman trade either. A guy mm. I was fairly high on. Now they have three tight ends. I was fairly high off, high on on Dulcich, Albert O, and of course Troutman. Love that connection there with um, Sean Payton. Love that they didn't lose any picks on that one. You know they moved down, but still kept their same number of picks. Well, you guys mentioned Michael Mayer. The Las Vegas Raiders, Tyree Wilson wore shades at the draft. So let's just go right to the Raiders. It's the 
It was interesting hearing their pressers, and of course, we can get into some of the Peter King column on how that draft room was moving. Talking about how different this offseason was, how much more time they had to prepare and really dial in on the draft itself. That at this point, last offseason, Josh McDaniels was still kind of coaching up his coaching staff on how he wants to coach and what his philosophies are and stuff like that. And I wonder how much we'll hear stuff, similar things from the Broncos next off season when it's like, yeah, wow, Sean was still getting settled in doing this, that, and the other this year. Instead, we had a full um, off season to really work with the, the scouting staff and so on and so forth and get everything done. Um, just like college coaches, man, you're trying to sign that first stat. You're trying to sign the first class and you're trying to evaluate mm -hmm. the talent. You're trying to put together your staff, then establish how it's going to be. Or you just, you know, kick the entire team off, but that that's one (laughs) way to do it. I kid, I kid, I don't, don't be a rascal. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you see it with, uh, with Jay Norvell as well. Um, year two, how different that is. But let's get into this Raiders class. There are four targets. Will Anderson, Paris Johnson, Devin Witherspoon. All go before them. Tyree Wilson, the only one to drop to them. And it sounds like this foot injury, a real concern. He's one of three Big 12 edge rushers to go around one. Seventh overall, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts in general on this Raiders draft, Justin? I think that the ceiling of their first two draft picks is about as high as anybody in this draft with Mayer and and Wilson. The foot stuff is obviously a big concern, and I think it's a major part of why he fell out of the top five after, you know, having a lot of hype these past couple of months and even by some people even being talked up as like a potential top two, top three pick. Um, yep. If it works out, I I think it's worth it, but he is a gamble, especially in the top 10. And it, it does feel like kind of a classic Raiders situation where it's this really highly athletic guy, big question mark in one area, whether it's just, you know, is it going to translate as an off field thing? Is it an injury? And they, those guys just never seem to work out for the Raiders. So I guess we'll see. But I do think getting Michael Mayer in the second after moving on from Darren Waller is big. Um, and, and that offense, I do think, is going to be better. But it, it's just a, it's an interesting spot. I don't know. It, it definitely has the McDaniels feel. I mean, when you look at everything they did between free agency and the draft, like he just completely overhauled that roster. It's going to be a completely different team. Yeah, 100%. Jake, what was your read on all this? Um, I actually kind of like this class. I mean, the foot stuff with Tyree Wilson and given his production and the type of player he is, um, we'll see. And given it's the Raiders and they've really swung for some of these kind of premier edge guys and really struck out recently. Uh, you still have Chandler Jones. You still have Max Crosby. So I guess if anything, Tyree Wilson adds a nice rotation as a pass rusher. Uh, oh, yeah. Michael Meyer, I think, was one of the steals of the draft there at 35. Interesting. Um, this guy kind of showed that he could kind of do it all and makes extremely impressive catches going up for the football um, all over the field. I mean, you gave away Darren Waller kind of on the cheap and you spent a premium draft pick on Michael Mayer. So it is a bit of a gamble for sure. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's a fairly, it's a decently athletic class. I don't even want to go fairly. Um, I mean, Jacorian Bennett tested out the door. Uh, Byron Young, Trey Tucker, also some nice guys. Of course, Michael Meyer tested really well, and so did uh, Tyree Wilson. Uh, but I really like what they did with their late round picks. Um, Bennett, I think, is a solid player in the fourth round, the cornerback yeah. of Maryland. Christopher, Christopher Smith, the safety out of Georgia, uh, didn't really test well, but that's just one of those guys that played a lot of football that you can kind of just figure out. And then Nesta Jade Silvera, their last pick in the seventh round, the defensive tackle out of Arizona State, had a solid season last year for the Sun Devils, was one of, if not their best defensive player. Um, so that's just great value there, I think. I can't get upset with this class. The roster, though, just it still has some holes, I think. Yeah, it has some huge holes. Um, I wonder if Paris Johnson would have been the pick, you know, had Arizona not moved back up to six, which would be really interesting. They're trying to build quite the duo with Max Crosby and Tyree Wilson. Just the length alone is going to be really intriguing. Um, I did have quite a bit of debate after the draft of like, did I overrate Tyree Wilson and not rate Will McDonald high enough? They're both big 12 guys who are a little older. You know, they're both like, they're not going to dominate a game, but I think both have those tools to like nail that one. Those tools where it's like, Oh shit. Um, But you know, like I had Tyree Wilson ranked significantly higher and I think he just has more of a power element, more versatility as a rusher can line up inside outside. Um, but we got to see with this injury. That's huge. I got to say, like, I thought the value on mayor, I had him ranked 34. So it was like right in line. Um, and Tyree Wilson's 11th. So you're not getting any steals. It's interesting, you know, and the, um, Al Davis's son asking about Jalen Hyatt and how speed receivers are in his blood and stuff and how it sounded like Hyatt was basically one of their highest ranked players, but wide receiver wasn't a need. Well, then why are you using the hundredth pick on Trey Tucker's what I don't understand? Because he's a returner only because last I checked, you had a really good slot receiver in Hunter Renfro, but you're also Byron Young. I, I don't think that's a great pick, you know, like I don't think that's a top hundred player. And on top of that, Tyree Wilson's a bit of a reach. Michael Mayer, I don't think is a steal, like it's right in line. So their first two days for me were very like C-level draft. And I like their day three. Bennett's a good pick. Aiden O'Connell as a developmental quarterback for them is very intriguing. I mean, shit, he might be starting in some games because we know Jimmy G isn't playing all 17 regular season games. Chris Smith, great pick. He doesn't test well. Not a phenomenal athlete. It's why, um, you know, really good player for one of the great college football defenses we've ever seen was even around in the 170s. Overall, it's like a B- minus to me. Do you guys have like a theme for the offseason? One of you talked about overhaul. Um, you know, are they really better than they were at the end of last season? No car. You swapped them out for Jimmy G. Darren Waller, you swapped him out for Michael Mayer. What do you think? Justin, you want to start this one? I think if nothing else, they're better just because they're going to have a team that isn't constantly... Like, McDaniels did not want the guys that they had, so it wasn't going to work out. Like, at the end, just point-blank period, it wasn't going to work out in the locker room. Him and Carr weren't clicking. For some reason, Darren Waller just ceased to exist. 
with Josh McDaniels as the head coach. So like, yeah, they kind of gave up on him, but the writing was on the wall there. So I guess just from that sense, it's better, but talent wise, I don't know if they upgraded. I think Mayer at this stage of his career versus Waller versus his stage of his career, probably I'd, I'd take that trade off, but I don't think Jimmy G is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. And I certainly don't think he's more durable than that him or like raises drastically raises their ceiling or something. But if nothing else, I guess at least it's not a shit show of a just team right now with in terms of like team relations and and how the chemistry is. I don't know if that's like that great. If I'm, if I'm a Raiders fan, I don't know if that would make me feel that great, but if the answer is, well, at least it's not a disaster, but that's how I feel. I would say this draft class is kind of like a balance between trying to plug some holes and while also drafting for the future here. Um, Like I said, you got Chandler Jones and Max Crosby already kind of starting as your ends. So Tyree Wilson doesn't really have that pressure to come in and, you know, get over this foot injury and start right away and be an impact player right away. Same thing with Mike Mayer. I mean, you signed Austin Hooper in the off season, who's a solid guy. You've got OJ Howard there who, Hasn't really been what we thought he would be coming out of Alabama, but you add in Michael Mayer, you kind of round out that tight end room. You hope he develops into something close to what Darren Waller was as a kind of vertical threat for you. Maybe doesn't have that top end speed, but is more of a possession guy. Um, same with the secondary guys you drafted in Chris Smith and Ja'Cory and Bennett. Uh, the secondary is, is bad, man. I mean, and this secondary has been bad for as long as I could remember, really. Uh-huh. There's still, I mean, God, it's been probably since Namdi Asamoa since they've had like a number one corner. Yeah. Um, and yeah. they don't really That's have that now back. still. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm serious. It's When's the last corner they really had that, that was that good? Um, so yeah, they're trying to kind of plug those holes while also hoping that these guys can maybe turn into something down the line. Um, I guess that's where I'm at with it. What would your grade be? I I actually like the overall talent of the players selected. I'd probably go B minus. Um, I just don't feel like they really got as much as they could have gotten with the amount of capital they had. I mean, you had a top 10 pick. Um, you kind of add a third edge rusher. It's not even really a starter. So, but I'm I can't complain about the class too much. So that's why I'm probably around B minus B. I'd probably go C plus. I just I think they could have maximized a little bit more than they did. As you guys mentioned, they they yeah. ended strong, but they they could have they could have done a lot more than what they did. No, I agree. I was being too generous with B minus. You only get two top hundred guys from this class. You failed, man. You failed the assignment, and like it's not factored in. Um, but like Darren Waller is part of this, like the draft picks you have. And you didn't replace them at all. Four top hundred picks. You only get two top fifty guys. Uh, it's not not good enough. So I'm I'm going with a just a C. Like at most, you did what you were supposed to do. No more, no less. Bare minimum. You, yep. Not not getting brought back. Not getting not getting shat on necessarily. It <laughs> wasn't wasn't anything special. Where do exactly. you where do you guys want to go next? You want to go to the Chargers and Chiefs or vice versa? Let's go Chargers. Yeah, let's go Chargers. Save the Chiefs for the last round. Always interesting to see how those guys, the defending champs, are building over there. Um, Chargers, definitely one of those classes where at face value, 
there's some nice names on there, starting with Quentin Johnston, um, and then you know Henley, who was a such a great wide receiver, or I'm sorry, linebacker last year at Wazoo. I'm having trouble loading some of these pages, and then help me out with who they yeah, were. They got uh, Dayon Henley, and they got uh, the USC defensive lineman whose name I can't pronounce. Jake Really Tui Peloto. There you go. Thank you. Um, they got the speedy TCU receiver. They got Max Duggan late. If Philadelphia is now Dude. the Bulldogs, the Chargers are now the the TCU Horn Frogs. All in on the Horn Frogs. I'm hearing that I was you know prepping for the show. I was watching the Telasco post day one presser, um, and he was talking about like oh, and his quarterback throws well, and they were a really good team. And it's funny that they ended up with three of those guys and not just Quentin Johnson. So. Yeah, I think overall, you look at these picks, they did a decent job. I think the bigger thing might be, what's this team's philosophy? And did this team get better than where they were at at the end of last season? They didn't Um, replace Austin Eckler in the draft or free agency. And so that, to me, that's the biggest question mark, I guess, is what are you trying to accomplish? You did obviously bring in Kellen Moore. So the offense is going to have a greatly different look and and philosophy. They're banking on him to figure out some of this stuff with Herbert, but it kind of just seems like the plan is to like, keep doing what they've been doing and banking on Herbert progressing and hoping that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams can stay on the field, which history says is not going to happen. 100%. Um, did you guys hear Brandon Staley's comments, by the way, basically saying that Quentin Johnston was the best player on the field against Georgia when he had one reception, 65, seven game. He's the best player on the field. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's just hope that Brandon Staley stays employed as the Chargers head coach for a long long time. He's the gift that keeps on giving. There's no doubt about that. Like you're here on that. And then, I mean, I love Darius Davis. They just drafted a returner in the fourth round. You know, they're not even going to use him as a wide receiver, just like zero concept of what's needed on this thing. Cause for a sec, I'm thinking, Oh, a speed, a speed target, a vertical um, separator for Justin Herbert. What a brilliant idea. Nope. He's, they drafted he doesn't run anything like everything he did was just in space. Like maybe you could do some stuff like that sweeps or something for him, mm-hmm. but it's not like he's going to get open. Yeah. It's, it was a weird decision. I don't know. Like I will say that Quentin Johnston does feel like a classic charger receiver, like Mike Williams, yeah. Vincent Jackson, just like big body, good athlete run straight down the field and throw it up also feels like a guy that's going to get hurt a lot. I don't know why, why, but just kind of that's like the that. maybe it's just because well, he's on the Chargers, the Chargers now. Yeah, you yeah. just put on that bolt, and all of a sudden, I assume you need a Band-Aid. With Quinton's, yeah. what's going to be interesting is he's that big guy with the wheels, right? Um, but even though he can make some absurd catches, the hands can be inconsistent, and he's not like dominant the way he should on contested balls. So people want to compare him to Mike Williams, but he's off. Like, honestly, if you read their scouting reports, they read very differently. And in some ways that might be really nice and complimentary in other ways. It might not how, how much he's able to contribute right away, because as Justin alluded to, like for sure, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are going to miss time. How quickly he can contribute is kind of what's going to make or break this draft. 
Yeah, I mean, overall, I kind of like this draft, though. Yeah. Um, sorry to cut you off, Justin. I mean, this is just typical Chargers, though. I mean, they draft yep. good players, but then they win nine games. Yep. <laughs> and then we're kind of back in the same spot, wondering how can this team possibly get better after they have one of the best drafts? And we like this player they bought in free agency, blah, blah, blah. But um, I don't know. Maybe I've just been conditioned that way. I do like all these players that they drafted. Um, we'll see. Everything just Duggan feels random the with that. Like their decisions yeah. never seem to have like mm-hmm. you can see very clearly what the Broncos were trying to do with the offensive line this year. You can see what the Chiefs have been doing with their team building the last couple of years and how they prioritized certain positions. They've chosen to move on from, you know, obviously Tyreek Hill and some of the big name players. Like you can see what they're doing with the Chargers. So it's like, yeah, I like him and, and I like him. But it's kind of like just drafting the random pickup basketball team of guys who are all skilled one-on-one players but can't play together as a team. So it's just, yep. there's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing to me. Right. Figuring out what is the real philosophy beyond we're trying to get better, which, hey, sometimes maybe that's the best philosophy. I think the starkest difference is Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders had uh, 10 top 100 picks between those three teams or five of those 10 top hundred picks they traded to get the chief the chargers stayed put with every single pick just let the ball board fall to them and again maybe that's the best strategy but there is like less of a clear-cut plan less of an aggression in going to get your targets johnston i was very high on borderline top 10 talent for me um, Tui, while I think there's some question marks of his role, he might be the edge long-term opposite Eckler and a really intriguing interior pass rusher. And Henley, I was quite high on. And look, McFadden's a guy who's played tackle and might be a really solid guard from Clemson. And Matlock, really solid interior defensive lineman out of Boise. And Duggan, like I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Duggan too. So it is a solid draft. I think it's an A-, minus, but I think a lot of the things that you know, we could fill 10 minutes on with other teams you just don't have with the Chargers. No. Django pieces? We didn't do one for the Raiders either, but I think that one's pretty easy. Oh, lay it on us. It's Devontae Adams. Mm. Isn't it Jimmy G? Well, outside of quarterback. Outside of quarterback, you're right. It's Devontae. It might be Josh Jacobs with how good he is. It might be Max Cross. Yeah, you can throw Crosby in there, too. Uh-huh. I think it's Devontae Adams, though. He goes down. That offense is relying heavily on Josh Jacobs. Who you got for the Chargers, Strango piece? Oh, man. Um, I mean, it's tough to say the wide receivers because they go down all the time. Yeah, uh, Bosa's always hurt. Khalil Mack hasn't really been the Khalil Mack of old in uh, Los Angeles. I think I'm between Derwin James and Austin Eckler. Uh. Those are pretty good ones. Yeah. I'd go Joey Bosa, but I, I kind of see your case on, on both of those. Yeah, Justin, final grade and Jenga pieces. Uh, I'll give them a B plus. I, yeah, I like a lot of the pieces they added and I, I know I was kind of harsh on the chargers there. I, it's mostly just cause I don't really know what they're doing, but I, I like these players. It felt like a Madden draft for me with multiple mountain West guys. You get the big TCU receiver, you get dug in late. Like that's, that's peak Justin Madden draft, but I'll give him a B plus um, Jenga piece. I'm going to go Joey Bosa because I don't think this chargers team 
is a factor or a threat in the AFC unless Joey Bosa is the Joey Bosa that he is capable of being. Yep. That's fair. You know who uh, who could probably use a, a ice cold Breck brew these last couple of years? Chargers fans Tell watching me. all these injuries. Keenan Allen certainly could have used <laughs> one. He could have drank it and used it as an ice pack simultaneously. Right. Really versatile. Um, Breck Brew, they've been making a great can, a great beer for 32 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. I would personally recommend with summer coming up, going classic Mountain Beach sour. Or if you can find it, the Shandy is to die for. You know, the Avs lost recently, so the 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 amber ale, it, it kind of makes me feel a little bit sad right until it touches my tongue. And then I'm like, all right, this is the best beer on the planet. I feel fine. We're all good. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. Find a Breck Brew near you. And shout out to Fubo TV. Let's go. 40 plus live channels of sports shows, movies, and news. Uh, when I was rotating in and out of our live draft shows, you know I was on Fubo TV with the NFL Network, always keeping track of everything going on. And you too can get on the action at Fubo TV. You can start watching immediately with a seven-day free trial. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle, and you get 1,000 hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge. You can watch the Nuggets playoff run on Altitude and ABC with Fubo TV. Go to www.fubotv.com slash dmbr to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro, fubotv.com slash dnvr. Nicely done. We get into the Chiefs. Veach, their GM, had some really interesting comments. Um, they, of course, trade up for the wide receiver in the second round, for the offensive tackle in the third. They got an edge rusher in the first. It seemed like this draft, one way or another, that's how they wanted to come out of it. With the first, second, third, they wanted an edge. They wanted an offensive tackle. They wanted a wide receiver. Of course, you lose Nicole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster. You kind of replace McCole with Kadarius Toney. Um, some reshuffling on the O-line from free agency, so they needed to address that. And Edge, you lost Frank Clark, so opposite George Karloftis, you needed someone. Interesting comments from Veach about considering trades between 18 and 22. That's when Christian Gonzalez and the run on wide receivers begins. And then those picks where the Jaguars traded down twice, like 25 through 27, makes a lot of sense that if you liked Wanya Morris enough to draft him in the third, you might have been in on moving up to get Anton Harrison in the late first. Doesn't work out. They settle a bit on Felix, who, again, another Big 12 guy who maybe you don't love. Maybe that tape isn't consistent, but is one of those guys who, opposite Karlaftis, could just, like, bend one right in the fourth and come up with a clutch sack, you know, like he's one of those guys really interesting. Um, I got to say Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver in the second round. Had they drafted Jalen Hyatt with that pick? Oh, I'd be, I'd be terrified. Um, had they drafted Marvin Mims? Absolutely. Like a guy who runs a four, three and has those contested ball skills. Cedric Tillman, a true, like number one type upside 
would have been really intriguing, not to mention like Josh Downs or Tyler Scott, who dropped to the Bears in the fourth round. Other wide receivers I would have targeted, Rasheed Rice, tapes intriguing, needs to figure out who he is because he's a route runner, possession guy who really makes nice adjustments to the ball. And I think that's where his appeal for a Mahomes is most prevalent. But he's overly physical. He was listed at absurd size, came in very average size, senior bowl blanketed because he doesn't have the quicks, though his 10-yard split and his jumps were really good. They take him. I feel fortunate they took him when there were other guys on the board that would have scared me much more. And Wanya Morris, length, Oklahoma right tackle, whatever. I thought there were better tackles, including DeWad Jones, Blake Freeland, and Jalen Duncan still available at that point. So from my board, they left some real talent on there. They only have one top 100 guy. At the same time, I appreciate how aggressive they are. I appreciate the trades um, and just analyzing their philosophy in general. This has a very like cohesive sound. They knew what they were doing here. So, you know, the board itself is C minus D-ish for how it's stacked up with mine. But then the draft itself, how they go after the needs and everything, it's more in that C plus B minus range. I give it a C plus. I'm right there with you. I think they slightly above average because they traded up. I think they nailed the positions that they should have targeted. Just like you, though, you know, I I think there were better receivers on the board in the second round. I think there were better offensive tackles that they could have gone after, especially I like Felix uh, Anuduke Uzumoa a lot. And I think especially being a K-State prospect with the draft in Kansas City, having that whole situation play out was a neat, you know, way for it to to go down. So I like that. I thought it was fun. But I just think they could have gotten guys I liked a lot more. And, you know, the Chiefs have done pretty well these past couple of years in those type of situations. You know, I feel like I've done that a couple of times, whether it's... um, John a blank on the the linebacker out of Missouri. Bolton. Bolton. You know, I wasn't super Thanks stoked Bolton. on him. And he's been a, a killer prospect. So their their draft their track record is really good in the draft. Um, but I, I felt like they settled a little bit on a couple of these guys. This is just the margin you're granted when you have the best quarterback in the league, man. Your draft just honestly kind of doesn't matter. I mean, you can draft an edge guy with your end of the first round pick. Um, and maybe he slots in opposite of Carl Loftus and that's a great pick. But after that, I mean, right. you're not really getting much. Uh, Rashi Rice, I mean, can stretch the field. Um, but I don't even know if he cracks their top four wide receivers. Uh, Richie James played really well for the Giants at times last year. Um, he's on this roster. They still have Justin Ross, the guy from Clemson. Um, and I read a tweet about right. how he's been impressing a, a few weeks ago too. Um, so it's, I mean, it's really hard to, I think actually put a grade on this because you look at the players and it's like, yeah, this is like, I don't know, D C minus looking like players. Uh, but when you fit them in with the best quarterback in the league, it just doesn't really matter. So, um, it's tough from that regard. And I do think Dre, you're onto something with them. Maybe wanted to trade up for one of those tackles. Cause they just signed Donovan Smith. Mm-hmm. Bay tackle. Post draft. Uh, that's a. Yes, post-draft. And that's an old guy who you're projecting to start in at your left tackle now. Um, so that's a potential tackle hole. too, didn't they? 
Uh, they did. Jawan Taylor at right tackle. So, I mean, you have got, you've got Lucas Niang. And Lucas Niang. Yeah, I think it's like back-to-back years. Lucas Niang, Darren Kennard would have been a third-round right tackle out of Kentucky. I think he dropped more to the fifth. And now they go back to the well with Wanya Morris, you know. Um, yeah, and it's one of those classes where, look, if you came out of this class with just one starter at wide receiver, at edge, or at offensive tackle, shit, that's a win. If you somehow came out of two starters or a starter and a rotational guy, even if Wanya Morris is like your your swing tackle, it's still, you know, like, um, it's still a good class with what you're trying to get out of it. Day three, unimpressed. Chamari Connor is the classic kind of, we're dreaming on a guy to be that hybrid, like safety corner, fifth DB role. And like, spoiler alert, it's not going to work out though. They figured it out with Sneed. So, um, and BJ Thompson's a really interesting edge. He's got no muscle to him, but he's got length and kind of unconventional and bendy. Um, so yeah. And I don't know. They're probably like treading water. Are they better than they were last year? I think they're probably about the same with maybe a slighter, more margin of growth than they had last year. You know, like guys like Kadarius, Tony sky Moore, even rush, even this rookie class, give them a, a smidge more like growth margin than we might have had um, coming into last. Even Isaiah Pacheco, you know, like there are some young guys. You're like, yeah, I could expect some improvement. So it's more, it's more in that, that the team might be better than anything else. Like Jake said, it's uh, kind of like playing around Jokic if you're a receiver. Crazy how everybody ends up in Kansas City all of a sudden and just ends up, you know, being the putting up the best production of their career. Yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Jenga piece with these guys after Mahomes. Um, I, I, will, I mean, it's Travis Kelsey, so I'd almost say outside of Travis Kelsey, who uh-huh. is the piece um, that goes down. And, um, I mean, I'm between... Legarius Sneed, uh, McDuffie, and then honestly going back to Donovan Smith at left tackle. I mean, you have a real hole at cornerback if one of your top two guys goes down, and if your left tackle goes down, I mean, you're you're kind of treading water. I think it's I think it's got to be offensive tackle just because we've seen when the Chiefs are beatable, it's because you're able to disrupt Mahomes and kind of force him back right. and get him out of his comfort zone. It's against elite D lines when his O line is banged up or struggling. Great, God, you know ball so well, man. It's a great point. Um, yeah, no, I mean, God, you guys just convinced me with that. I was gonna say MVS is an interesting one, Marcus Valdez Scantling, because without Juju, it feels like there's a bit of he's your one true number one, and there's a there's a drop off and just like no one else who can truly replicate that skill set once he's out. And I don't think it's a surprise that when push comes to shove, colder months, arrowhead is when he started to emerge. Like that's when those guys separate themselves. You know, you start getting, stop getting cute with the vertical routes and you just need to complete some throws. That's when a dude like that truly proves his value. So um, that's the one I throw for Justin Ross this year, man. Watch out. Uh, I, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting under Sean Payton to see how the Broncos look against the Chiefs this season. 
I'll tell you that much because I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. And the former top athlete out of the state of Texas, Drew Sanders, will be another weapon to throw his way, which I'm very intrigued by. Intrigued by Thomas Incombe, the undrafted free agent um, that the Broncos added. Again, 11 and a half sacks in the Mac, man. D2 to the Mac. This guy is awesome. His, his motor is insane. Yep. Fourth to fifth round grade for a lot of play. Like, it's not crazy to think this is a future NFL rotational piece. That's where most people project it. Um, uh, Dallas Daniels, too, the wide receiver out of Jackson State. I'm drafting him. There you go. There you go. We will be back next week with more team building stuff, more draft grades for you, breaking it all down from the 2023 class. We'll get Jones in to talk 24 prospects as well. Stay tuned. Stay with us all summer. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend, boys.